Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to the Advanced Man Podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Mowbray. This is episode one. And on this beautiful first primary episode, we have Blaze Grinner. Blaze Grinner is an amazing men's coach up in the Sunshine Coast. We're friends. Uh, we've been in the same space for quite a while. Blaze came from construction. He had a lot of destructive habits. He used to love playing fisty cuffs with his mates. He played rugby. He was very, very good. Almost got drafted to the Australian squad. He drank piss. He took drugs. He was very, very much a lad's lad. And after having a little bit of a meltdown, he discovered that he needed to change who he was and change recreate his identity for himself so can't wait to have blaze on the show get ready guys because here it is all right welcome blaze grinner thank you so much for joining me on the advanced man podcast bro it's so good to have you here dude it's, yeah awesome to be here man we just mentioned offline we've been in each other's vortex for a while so it's uh yeah nice to sit in this spot and and a jam with you bro yeah man i um i've been observing blaze for a while i remember when i first got into men's work and i, I started getting tagged in men's work things um, there was the conscious man brotherhood, which I think was something, it was called something before that, wasn't it? With Preston Smiles and Jetty Azuma and stuff, or they had it, they had a different thing. Uh, so we had a, um, a program called Man Cave. And That's so that was the, the online program. So we did, I, I was a participant in that. And then at the end of that course, I, Hey man, how the fuck to become part of this? This changed my life. <laughs> and then that's when, um, the next one, they asked me to come and be a training coach. And then we came up with that idea of like, Hey, let's turn this into a movement. And that's where conscious man brotherhood was birthed. And yeah, yeah there was like Preston Smiles, Jetty Zuma, Kelly Gardner, Brennan Jarrell, um, uh, Casey Shepard, uh, the, the Americans. And then here in Australia, there was like was myself, Sam Lewis, Cecilie Slade, um, yeah, and there's a couple other other fellas as well. But there's eleven of us end up being, yeah. And I remember, I remember joining that that Facebook group, um, and you know, I'd run a few groups and I'd had a few events at the time, and um, it was really nice to see other guys that were dreaming as big as I had been dreaming, you know, and actually taking actionable steps. I'd never, I hadn't been around any men like that before, and I, I'm pretty sure I remember. I'm pretty sure it was a video of you. You got in once and you did a live. And you kind of cracked in that group and you were just sharing about having, you know, some some issues going on, always having to be strong. I think you were still working construction at the time. And I was, man. Yeah, you were talking about like you've got a, you know, you got wife and kids and you didn't want to bring your stresses to them. And so you brought it to the group. And I, I don't remember the details. I just remember you being really fucking honest, really fucking raw, and bringing that to the group in a Facebook live so the men could see you and you were just like, I'm so grateful for this group so that I can break here so that I can be strong mm. over there where I need to be. And um, yeah, like that's one, you know, we're going to talk a lot for the next hour or so, but I mm. very, very much uphold the belief that that's really what a men's group is for. It's not just to sit and talk about your emotions, but it's so that you can crack so that you can be the rock in your family and in other areas of your life, hundred percent. Yeah, man. I, I, if it's the one I think it's about, like, I, I remember how angry I was, man. I remember punching this. I was in the car in my home, busy punching the steering wheel. And I just was so fucking angry, man, just of where life was. And I was like, I was a foreman. Uh, I was doing like 12 hour days plus driving two hours to work, two hours home. And just was just burnt, man. It was just, and then I just remember, yeah, it was, I think what wifey and I, well, she was my fiance then, were in it. And I just, yeah, it was like, remember hitting the steam wheel just, and just spoke freely. Um, and it's, it's, it's the safety of men's work too. This is the thing is like men can hold what I was saying. 
if if I spoke that to women, they would have been so fucking scared, man, because mm-hmm. I just let it all out. And it's like, yeah, so be able to let that out and not follow through in what I was thinking or feeling, but just express like, like this is how I feel, not like this is not what I'm going to do, but this is how I feel. And then not one man, I just remember, not one man judged me, dude. And they're like, man, I feel you. I see you, man. And um, I remember my head went down once or twice and then I'd look up, like, keep your head up, bro. Like just the comments of the people watching live, just that encouragement. I just remember I was like, man, I feel so good. I feel so light. And then that argument did not go into the, the household. Um, and that's why that was when I fell in love with men's work. Like, this is that thing. I was only saying this yesterday, man. Is I, I played high-level rugby league, was in construction. So I was always had this re- and, and had a really tight circle of friends. Mm. So that camaraderie aspect I had, I've had like for so long. Though it was from, I hate the word toxic, so I'd like to use the word unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It was from an unhealthy manner of like around uh, objectifying women, seeing how drunk you could get or how much gear you could take, how how tough you were with your fists. Uh, and it was built on lying and covering for your mates rather than calling them forward and holding mirrors up. Mm-hmm. So when I stepped away from all of that, the dark night of the soul, it was really lonely times. I had no men in my life and I loved that camaraderie. And I, I felt incomplete. And I, I didn't know why though. I just like, because I, I had so much. I had a beautiful, beautiful partner. We were trying for kids. Had, a, had a, I was leaving and found my purpose. I was leaving construction, but I was just super, I was just super incomplete. I remember that first men's circle and then feeling that. It's like, ah, this is that thing. The thing that I'm missing or why I feel incomplete, even though life was amazing, was a sense of belonging. Like I just didn't feel like I belonged in a community of, and there was that community of men. That brotherhood is like something I crave. So I had a lot of people around me like, and family, friends and that kind of stuff and really beautiful. But then that that camaraderie of men was that thing. It was like, ah, I found it. And since that day, which was almost seven years ago now, there's only been two weeks I haven't been involved in a men's circle or a men's team, whether I'm paying for it, whether it's free, whether I'm leading it, whether someone else is leading it. So I just see I, I'm such a better man, father, husband, business owner, uh, good like uh, humanitarian mm. part of the community. So much more better when I'm pushed, when I'm challenged, and and people call me on my shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wanna, I wanna. That was there's so many things in there that I want to speak into. And so <laughs> what I want to do is I want to pull it back a little bit. Um, because mm. you and I had a very similar upbringing, right? Like everything you just said, I'm like, mm. yep, yep, did that. I played AFL instead of rugby because uh, I'm down from South Australia and we don't, we don't even have rugby there. It's not a, it's not a sport. Me- Mexican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. And, um, but, you know, but the, but the alcohol, the drugs, the debauchery, the, you know, like um, that white line fever and which, which then carried off of the field quite frequently. It carried to the pub as well, you know, and it, it carried to mm-hmm. many external situations. Um, I was a bricklayer for 12 years myself. So, you know, like it, it, we, we were obviously like sliding doors, basically we were next to each other walking parallel yeah. lines. Um, and you know, you said one of the things that you really wanted to talk to and one, one of the areas of your genius were relationships and identity. And so I really want to track this with, with mm-hmm. like the masculine identity, you know, the identity of a man and what a man right. is. Um, yeah. And, you know, you said you played rugby and, and you grew up in construction and you grew around, yeah, unhealthy versions of men or masculinity. And for me, my, my experience was 
you know, obviously don't be a girl, don't cry, you know, be a man, take responsibility and all those types of things. My dad was a, was an English soccer hooligan that grew up in Australia is the way I like to describe it. And yeah, so he's a hard man, right? And and mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for some of the hard lessons. Don't get me wrong, you know, like men do need to be strong. I'm not going to disagree with that. Men need to be able to protect themselves and protect their family. These are all very, very valid things. But then something gets lost in translation as we mature from young teens to young men. And I'd love to hear mm. your experience around like the rugby culture and the construction culture and the, the adolescent of like, where do you feel like that? Where do you feel like the identity is born in that time of our life as a young man? Oh man, it's there's there's many times, and so those those there's different identities, and so if I look at the the first real identity that I believed who I was as like with a capital T was Blaze the Footy Star. Mm. I had a player manager. I was on contract. Um, I, I played footy with JT. Um, like I was there, man. I was captain in New Zealand. Like, and so I believed that I was a footy star. That was my identity. Um, and then when that went away, that's when I had my first identity crisis at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, fuck, well, what do I do now? Who am I? And so I had to recreate myself, which then became, I've managed the bar at the age of 20. Can I, can I just ask a question? What, what characteristics of the identity of Blaze the footballer did you have to embody? Mm. Did you have to be in order to fill that that role for yourself in society? So both of them, and so I'll, I'll skip the nightclub. So yep. rugby league and then construction. Right. The what the, the and this is what sparked me up, and this is what I'm admiring. Being a family man, to react fucking instantly, and because I was a captain, I captain every team I ever played in, and I was a foreman at the age of 24. So I've always led men. So the people above me, where as a coach or a project manager, I had to have all the answers. I had to respond very quickly and I had to lead like directly, forcefully and just like there's my way, the fucking highway. Mm. And like, this is where we're going. And I had to have that clear vision. So there's like good things within that. Like I had to have a clear vision, had to have a plan, had to know where to go. But then that my way or the highway, it, it yeah, man, that was like that tyrant energy. And that's what my dad was like. My dad was very alcoholic um, and used his fist, sort of a lot of domestic violence as a kid. Mm. And so seeing my dad as that role model, oh, yeah, cool. Well, that's how, that's how you lead. That's how you lead the family. You lead with anger. It's how you get what you want. It's how you get people to do what you want is by being overly aggressive. Yeah, man. Then on the footy field, there was also that, um, like, my opposite number just fucking come at him. And just be however I could fuck with him so he would crumble and break. That was my job. That was my role. Mm. And then, um, and I was fairly small compared to other fellas. So if I was able to do that, it would inspire the whole team. And so that whole walking over another man, um, using everything against him, like I would, the stuff that I would say, man, is that I would hear stuff on the street. I'd bring it in the footy game and just like, just, man, it was this vicious man. Um, and so that, that's the first time I've ever actually realized that, like that, how, like, I would just attack other players and other men, other humans and just belittle them and, um, stand over them and become that, that, that standover guy. 
And then that same thing too around that toughness was that there was nowhere to sh- there was nowhere to show weakness or vulnerability. Mm. So on the football field, show vulnerability, weakness. That's where they're going to go. On the construction site, uh, because I was so young, men were double my age. If I was shown as weak or didn't have it together, didn't know the answers, that was weakness, and they would just fuck. I'm at it, man. Mm. Um, and so yeah, that was a few of the the negative uh, traits. Um, yeah, and the other big one was it was it started in league and then it, it siphoned into construction. Was was that objectifying women and that that's what what it meant to be a man? So at the age of fourteen, I was playing A grade, so I'm hanging around all these old men. I remember I think it was the under fifteen going on a, a tour, and the first time I watched porn was at fifteen years old on a tour um, with all men. Like fuck. Right? What does that do to my psyche? But then, <laughs> as a four, I remember as a fifteen-year-old going on a bus playing A grade, and um, they're like, lazy up the back of the bus, so fitting this. I belong, a part of the thing. Oh man! Um, and <laughs> actually, before I tell it, I remember I was so young and naive. This bloke said, "Yeah, man, I hit a chick last night." That that, and he was an adult, and I'm fifteen. He goes, "And I'm like, why would you hit a chick, dude?" And he's like. No, not hit, man. It's like hit's a word for sex. Like, I had no idea. I was so naive, wow. so naive. And then so like, but then they they were just reliving their childhood youth through my stories. Mm. And so the more women I slept with, the more attention I got from them, which was all I was craving. It wasn't the women. It was their attention, their love, their validation, belonging to that was what I was craving. So you sex to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, man, that's, yeah. There's, dude, I'm basically just listening to my own stories come back at me through this screen. It's it's absolutely yeah. wild. Um, you know this this desire to belong for a young man, this desire to to fit into the crowd, to be a part of a tribe, and I think the biggest thing is to be seen as a man. You know, like you know, I know we we're, we're both in men's work or this thing that people call men's work, and. There are no initiations for for boys coming into manhood these days. And so what happens, I believe, and I don't believe that we need to go to the forest for three days and starve ourselves anymore. You know, like that's not, we don't live in, we don't live in that type of world anymore. I'm not saying you can't do it. I have done it. I think it's great, but we create our own initiations these days and football clubs have them, you know, football mm-hmm. clubs have initiations. I remember playing under 17s and, you know, being asked to play B grade and A grade a few times. And it was like, holy shit, I'm asked to become a man. And there was a part inside of me that was, you know, being called forward and it made me feel like I was something that I knew was inside. Like I, I knew there was a man inside of me, but I didn't know what that felt like. And so I was trying to do all these things to to feel that feeling. Uh, lo and behold, I'm 36 now. I don't think I actually really felt like a man until I was about 32, to be, to be fair. Like actually fully went, oh, I actually feel like a you know, man, but, um, this, this, you know, in men's initiations, like what are some of the initiations? Like you said, you know, going to have sex with a girl was like, you know, and the more women you had sex with, the more, the more included you felt by, by the A grade squad. What are some of the other initiations that you can remember that old men or older men are doing like, you know, watching porn on the, on the bus and stuff. Like what are some of these initiations mm-hmm. that old men are doing to young men thinking that they're initiating them into adulthood, but actually are starting a downward spiral of, of unhealthy masculinity inside of them. 
Yeah, man. I grew up in a I grew up in a country country town, um, and so it was fighting, like using your fists. So to like, if anyone um, spoke ill of you, mm. it was your responsibility to stand up for yourself. And the way you did that was like knock that motherfucker out, man. He 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 just called you a pussy or X Y and Z, or he's touched your missus on the ass. Like it's your responsibility to go take care of business um, with these. And then age eighteen, I had a three year suspended jail sentence. Um, it was one of the scariest times of my life, man. Like I went to court and the judge said, where is your legal representation? And I just had a duty solicitor, the one they give you. And I'm like, here. He's like, mate, you're about to serve time in jail. I'm going to adjourn this. Go get wow. a barrister. Wow. I'm like, I remember for three months, man, just every night in full fear that I was about to get a jail, grown ass man, and just get fucked. Mm. Like I was so scared, man. Um, it was yeah horrific, and that was just bleeding with my fists uh, for the same thing. Just didn't know how to. And we were talking about initiation. That was like that, and with what we do on the initiation, just teach men how to be with the emotion of anger. Like that, yes, like the, I agree with. You. We don't need to go sit in the forest, but hey, let's go out in the forest and teach you how to be with this emotion of anger. So we don't have to use our fists, and we're not projecting that onto our family and the kids and ourselves and. Um, but yeah, that was one of them. Um, the um, I see this a lot in construction, and it's the um, how the apprentice would get picked on, mm. and all, and that happened to me as well. Um, and it's I, I'm all for banter. Like I think banter is very good for us as men, um, and to be able to hold our own in a conversation intellectually and give some back. But then there were some of them that just went too far that it was like the young man never had an opportunity to use his voice mm. or to stand back or have a rebuttal. And it was just, and I remember crying in like going away after something happened to me, just like in tears, like fuck, I just felt so embarrassed and the whole job site laughed at me. Um, and they think they're doing a good thing and I oh, am yeah, just building him up and yeah. resilience, but it's yeah. like, yeah, there's, there's another way to do that. Like, you're not even giving him space to actually speak or yeah. um and then then well it's happened to him oh that's what you do so when i get on i'm gonna do that to the next fella coming through which is the the right of pass you know what I mean? so that was pretty ineffective as well mm. yeah I, I remember i mean it happened to me but i was pretty you know because i had a hard skin father i had a pretty hard skin because my dad had <laughs> you know trained that into me most of my adolescence so when i got to the construction site and someone gave it to me i gave it back to them because that's what my dad told me to do and he's like don't ever let some you know you give back and i'm not gonna lie there were lots of arguments and lots of fights but there was also a certain level of respect i was given because i wouldn't just go into a pity party and so mm -hmm. i i was on some level um respected by my older peers because i could hold my own uh, and so it did give me a level of respect, but it doesn't teach a good habit. Like you said, you know, I don't think it's, I do, I do think men should know how to protect themselves with their fists or with their, with their physicality, if it's necessary. But if that's the only way you're ever trained or ever taught to, to, to deal with uncomfortable circumstances, then you become the the man that reacts rather than responds. Right. Like, and that's what you were saying before. It's like, if you've only got one skill, then you're just going to use the one skill. Uh, you've only been taught one way, then then why would how would you know anything else? You know, yeah, hundred percent, man. Uh, we had we had an apprentice who you know he was a gamer, and he would we would start work at quarter seven, and he would get up at four in the morning and play 
Dungeons and Dragons or whatever for two hours before coming to work. And we just couldn't get our head around that. We were like, what? Like it work is hard enough. Why the fuck would you get up at 4 a.m. to play video games? You know, and then we kind of started making jokes. We're like, oh, you're probably on the dark web fucking watching porn and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, you know, porno, porno. And he's like, no, no, don't call me that. I don't like it. And so that was it. His new nickname was porno. Like that was, that was like Mm -hmm. the moment he told us no, that was what, you know, that was what it became. And his nickname was porno for seven months, eight months, nine months before it just got so much. Like, you know, we would just, we would just give him shit all the time that he dropped his tools, walked off site. We've never seen him again. No idea what happened to him, you know, no idea. Yeah. And I reflect Wait, now and go, holy shit, what was I doing? Or at the time I was like, oh, he's just weak, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. There was definitely a part of me that felt bad when I, when I heard that he left site, I wasn't on that job at the time. And there was a part of me that felt bad. And there was a part of me that was like, shit, what, you know, what happens? What if he does top himself? What if this happens? What if that happens? And I had been so conditioned to just suppress that part and go, it's not your fucking problem. If he can't handle it, he can't mm-hmm. handle it, you know? And so I did. And, you know, the healing journey that I went on through doing men's work, the grief that I had to go to, to let go of all the toxic, unhealthy shit that I've ever done, that was probably the scariest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. 100, man. I remember the very first somatic process I went through. And um, one of the framing questions was, What's the what's the biggest thing that you um, hold shame about against yourself for? And mine was how much I judged other people, mm. and it was just like oh, and to face off with that in front of eighty people and say I, I'm judging every fucking one of you for like what you're wearing, the way you're, you're talking. It was just like oh man, like I was on a pedestal, bro. Oh. it was so hard. It was the most rawest, vulnerable thing. But then. The other side of that was like, oh, fuck, that feels good. Mm. I don't have to carry that shit anymore. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, that job site too, we had a, a fella and he was just, he was so good hearted, man. Um, and he um, he had sex and he, he, he split his banjo string. I've done that. He, <laughs> I've done that. And, and he felt confident enough to tell us. Mm. You mean that's a vulnerable thing? And so his nickname became Splitter. <laughs> And then we would call him Splitter in front of his new girlfriend and everything. And it was like, it, 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 and he was with us for years, man. But I remember the day that he said, um, and the same thing, don't call me that. That's why it started. And then we all, that crew separated and we all caught up again a few years later. Like Splitter, he's like, hey, man, I, that's not, my, my name's X, Y, and Z. Um, but yeah, don't call me Splitter anymore. But the the evolution of it, oh yeah, cool man, and just let it slide, sort of thing. So yeah, it was just, but just when you said, I was like, oh man, I just remember I could see how much he didn't want that, um, and he had a moment. Uh, we were uh, the the um, the company I work for. They put us all together because we're working remotely in the house, um, and yeah, for some reason we didn't work this Friday, so I got a heap of booze for everyone, and we got pissed, and he got pissed man and went past the point and he's like he said what he really felt man of how angry he was he punched the fuck out of the wall man put like all these holes in the wall the front wall and just like i don't fucking like it cold split i just lost the plot man um and i was like oh yeah cool so that rage is built there man and that mm. was just us adding to it adding to it till he mm. erupted mm. um and it was a wall it could have been a at person. the pub and someone he's yeah. in up jail or do you know what i mean so yeah. there's so many repercussions that that invincible mask 
that, that men wear that hide behind, like they're not even looking or that boy mentality, not even thinking of the consequences. Yeah. And sometimes it comes down to education. Like I, we know this now because we're in the work of like the repercussions of that trauma that we're doing to that person or did to that person. Um, and so, yeah, then with like what we mentioned too, these, these, the, the coaches that put the porn on and the video, like they, they meant well, their intention was good, yet they are just very uneducated as well. Um, I was like, this is what their dad did or their coach did. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be like, boy, the, the young fellows on the man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's other ways to build that respect as well. I think yeah. that's really, I think you've just said it before, and I just said it then is that respect, but like men desire respect and like, um, and, and to be respected within the community, within our families, within our unit, within the tribe. I think we really crave that as men to be respected and, and revered, but there's like super ineffective ways to be able to um to gain that respect yeah that's great there's there's two things i want to ask you from that um most both of them wrapped around identity and and emotions right so we've been talking about men's anger and men's charge emotion and you know backtrack to at the beginning of the conversation you said um you were able to go live in that group and and completely honestly rawly courageously express everything that was going on and if you'd express that to women they would have been like what the fuck's going on you know and Mm. you were able to do it in a group of men and so you know a, a, a transmutation of that energy had occurred for you yeah with a man and his identity around what it means to be a man and mm-hmm. the attachment to needing to be strong and fortified and resilient and all these beautiful words that i fully support men learning how to be and embody when a man has to face those emotions how does that affect his identity as a man? And like, you know, what for you, from your experience and the experience of all the men that you've helped over the years, how can a man shift his, I guess, his attachment to what strength is and looks like to what you and I both know strength is now having been on the mm-hmm. other side of like, you know, like I don't, I trigger word, trigger word for me is vulnerability. I just believe in, in truth and courage and lies and, mm-hmm. and not courage, you know, like yeah, fear. And, um, yeah, but that's just a reframe I give men to give them more, more, more strength in to be able to be, just be honest, man. Just be honest with me. I don't care what it is. Just be honest with me. Be courageous. Be honest. But yeah, yeah man. tied into identity. How does a man shift his identity around a strong man to, to, you know, and, and being able to have to hold all the weight and then being a strong man and actually being able to express everything that's going on. So what I would explore is the belief of what strong means, mm. um, because, the conditioning that I've got, that you got, that a lot of men get, is that strength is rock solid, um, uh, knows all the answers, um, that is stoic, um, and that's strength. Not showing emotions like anger, or like using emotions like anger and not showing emotions like sadness because it'd be seen as weakness. Um, and I remember the the when I would go through and have these feelings, these human feelings of not feeling enough or whether to go through a breakup and feeling like what, and the, the mind would tell me, you should know better. You shouldn't be feeling this. You should be still, you should be strong. And so with that, it would just fucking get so loud, man, that to like, that's why I was so addicted to so many things. Like the mind was so loud. I just wanted it to shut up. So I just drink and numb it out. Mm. Um, and then it wasn't until, uh, getting like into a men's circle or a space 
where I found out for the, what, what boundaries were of mm. like, this is the parameters. And someone goes, hey, man, this is where we can go. And so as a young juvenile, we try and find these boundaries and then recklessly and we figure out, but like to consciously go, hey, man, these are some parameters and boundaries you can play in. And one of the strongest things you can ever do is admit that you fucked up. One of the strongest things you can ever do is really feel your emotions deeply. Like that, that's manly, like super fucking manly. Mm. And like in reflecting, man, I avoided manhood for so long. If that's if that's manly, I invo- I've fucking avoided for so long, man. Yeah, because I just bury myself in vices and pornography and alcohol and gambling, and prostitution and steroid abuse and everything else, rather than feeling emotions, mm. rather than just being fucking that. And so, exploring that that belief, like what does strength mean to you? Um, and if I'm gonna say that, the other thing I'd like to offer your listeners is, if, if you want to explore beliefs, definitely look at your belief of um, strength, but also look at your belief of success. Like what does success mean to you? Because majority of people, those goalposts of what success is, it's not your version of success. It's mm. because you want your dad to be proud of you or your mum to love you or your partner. But yeah, like if you're going to go exploring beliefs, belief around strength and belief um, around success. That's, I love it. Um, I have a, I have a framework in my academy called the art of resilience. And it's like how to build resilience and strength is one of them, right? Like in order to build resilience, mm. you've got to have strength. And by definition in the dictionary, the, the strength is the ability to bear a great load. That's it, mm. right? And if you want to go deeper, it's like the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure. It doesn't say anything about being physically big. It doesn't say anything about, you know, denying your feelings. It doesn't say anything like it's just the ability to bear a great load. And don't get me wrong. We think by not sharing and holding everything on, that's our capacity to bear a great load. But what happens when that load gets too big? And that's what happens. That's why men fight, drink, gamble, prostitute, go to prostitutes, porn, like drugs, whatever. It's like, this why, that's why a lot of men take steroids. Why? Because they want to be big and strong so that they look like they can bear a great weight, you know? Yeah, man. And, and what you're saying too, man, feeds into that um, that analogy of like, it's not a load that breaks a man's man down. It's the way he carries it. Mm. That lone wolf mentality mm. of like that load, man, that, that thing that's on top of a man. He like, I'll speak on, on behalf of myself and every man that comes into our vortex that load, we believe I'm the only man on the planet going through it. Like I'm the only one that is struggling with my porn addiction or I'm the only one struggling with my anger. or I'm the only one. Um, but then that strength in numbers and then finding men's teams and men's work and being able to collectively carry that load, lighten that load, um, that's that strength too, strength in numbers. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, the in ancient Greek mythology, I just quickly Googled it, the man that carries the world on his shoulders is Atlas, right? Like he just, he's, he's, he was, uh, Zeus punished him and he had to carry the earth on his shoulders forever. And I can guarantee you that there are a lot of men that feel like that constantly, you know, and I've seen, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not a big fan of, of, the, the massive red pill stuff going on, but they do have some real nuggets of insight on there of like, you know, they, they interview a lot of men and there are men out there. What is it? Um, I was Chris Williamson does a podcast, uh, modern wisdom, and he talks heaps of stats on men. And it's something like, um, 33% of men don't feel like they have one single close friend in the world that they can mm. actually fucking open up to. And so 
like I'm sure I know that touches you where it touches me right now. Like just hearing that is fucking hurting my heart because it's like, that's where unhealthy masculinity comes from or that's what it births, you know? Bro, I've been fortunate to look at some data for this business that I won't share the business name because it's um, like confidential, but <laughs> the statistic the statistic that they have, and it's it's a male predominant, like very very highly predominant uh, workforce, that over sixty five percent of the workforce have to hide who they are at work. Mm. They feel like that. Imagine like fucking waking up every day thinking you can't be your fucking self. How exhausting that would be, yeah. and how exhausting it is. Oh, man, like that. I was just heard that's like man, like let's lower that. I can like easily let's lower that. Yeah, hundred percent. If 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 and same as that's that, like not having one person that they could call a friend. Yeah, yeah. it's where it's why it's it's why the other statistic is so high. Yeah, yeah. And there was something else you said about um having a look at belief of success. And I was listening mm. to a podcast with Alex Hormozzi the other day, and he was talking about his success. And he said the hardest thing he's ever done was quit his job that his dad was really happy that he had to then go chase his, mm. his dream of running a gym. And he, he said this, um, these, these be two beautiful lines that I wrote down. I had to let my dad's dream die in order to let my dream live. Mm. And I was like, oh, and I remember doing the same thing. You know, I was a bricklayer. I was in construction. I had two homes. I had a girlfriend. I had two dogs. And my dad was like, you know, you're doing so well. I'm so proud. You can drink a lot. You play footy. You got a good group of lads. Like, you know, in his, in his eyes, I had made it. And in my heart, I was dead and dying and in pain. And then he said this one other um, line and he said, I have to be comfortable dying in his eyes. And he was talking about his father. So I had to be comfortable dying in his father's eyes. And I've died in my dad's eyes like many times mm -hmm. again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And from that, me and my dad have the best relationship we've ever had now. But there were years, mm -hmm. years and years and years of me not living up to his ideology of of what he thought i should have done and even now i still don't have a house right like i'm still in the building phase of, of something else and he still asks about when you're going to buy a home and i was like if i wanted a house i would buy one he's like but you don't have you don't have enough money i was like no but if i if my single vision was to buy a house if that's what me success was to me i would get the job that i need to get to save the money and i would have a house in six months if that's what i really fucking wanted i would do it it's not what i want that's why i'm not working towards it and I, I feel like the relationship between a father and son is probably one of the hardest ones to, to get right because there is a constant battle between identities, you know, of like, I know better, I'm older and I want to experience things for me and I want to live from a place of feeling, you know, and that, that part gets shut down at some point in, in the adolescent man um, by trying to fit into the adult world. Hey guys, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's all we've got time for on the first episode. If you really enjoyed this, please tune in next week because next week we'll finish off this episode with Blaze Grinner and we'll get to know a little bit more about what's going on. Thank you very much for checking in. If you enjoy the show, please tag, follow, subscribe on whatever channel it is you're listening to this podcast, be it Apple or iTunes or Spotify. We're here to help men advance. So please stay tuned, keep listening in. And if you're a woman listening to this, please gently, gently suggest to your fellow men in your lives uh, that they should listen to this thing because we're all here to help men grow. Thank you very much. And I'll see you on the next one.